Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, that is Kurt Souter, and we are a show for men by men. We talk about stuff from a guy's perspective, which sometimes is a really goofy perspective, but uh, we cover all kinds of different bases on uh, on life, on what it is to be a guy, and we believe here at Solid Steps that you are fulfilling your destiny as a man when you are walking with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're not, then you're not fulfilling your destiny. And that's... It's not that we have got a monopoly on that, but we just believe we have seen for three years, we've been sitting behind these mics and we know the power of what God can do in a man's life and a woman's life. We have a lot of ladies listeners and that's great too, but we're just talking to guys for the most part. And uh, we're talking today about a topic that is, um, hmm, it doesn't get a lot of press uh, within a lot of different circles, whether you're in church circles, non-church circles. Uh, so if I gave you a, a number, Kurt, of 437,000 people, what that's a pretty good amount of people, right? Yeah. It would be the eighth largest city in California. Okay? Wow. That's how many kids are in the foster care system in America, hmm. approximately, right? And it, that number has been going up every year, according to statistics, which I saw online, which means it's true. It is. It is true. Uh, that <laughs> since 2012. So almost a half a million yeah, coming up on that. Every year since 2012, there has been more children in the system. And it also says here that approximately 25% of those, give or take, depending on, I guess, you know, which state, and I know this is a kind of a vague number, but about 25% of those, the parents' rights have been um, have, have terminated. They've terminated the parents' rights, uh, or the parents have terminated their rights to the children. So that's another 75% or whatever percentage is left that they haven't, that they may be going back and forth. I mean, can you imagine? Like my kids, when when if I don't put my kids to bed at night, they come let me know, hey, you didn't put me to bed at night. You didn't come say hi or whatever or you know, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Could you imagine from birth living a life of an inconsistency like that? Well, we're going to talk today about the foster care system, whether it's children in foster care trying to be involved in the foster care system. We got three men who have stepped up and filled the gap in people's lives in some capacity through adoption or foster care. I'm going to talk more about that today. So guys, uh, it is great to have you. And uh, Chad, we've got three guys yeah, who just have a heart that's as big as this room. And it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, Chad, when you started out, we, we uh, listeners, we, we pray um, before every show, we actually literally get on our knees because we're kind of desperate. Um, when Chad and I started, we had no radio background, and we just said we need God's help and God's favor. And it was cool to uh, just to hear you guys pray. We get on our knees and we just pray. And and the, the, one of the prayers was uh, noticing um, the overlooked and the under and and those who are not really noticed in our culture. And that is. A lot of little kids uh, running around who don't have a dad, not connected with a mom. So, Josh Miles, welcome to the show, brother. It's good to be with you. It's uh, yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, and then uh, welcome Blaine Hamilton. Yes, that's uh, that's uh, thrilled to have you, bro. And uh, Travis, man, it's welcome welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. You uh, you you were on the show a year or two ago, and. Um, kind of talking about this we have done some 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 themes that we kind of hit on 
uh, on Solid Steps Radio. And this is one of them because I think this is really near and dear to the heart of God. Uh, Josh, you uh, tell us just real quickly your uh, your wife and kind of your your kids. Sure. So when my wife was 14, she went on a mission trip to Guatemala. And while she was there, she worked in an orphanage, broke her heart. She gave away all her clothes, came back, had no clothes in her suitcases. Um, and uh, she had a heart to adopt from there. That, so she was in high, a freshman in high school? Yeah, she was a freshman in high school. For me, it wasn't on my radar. And um, so she international adoption we looked at. And uh, just once we moved to, to Louisville, I was going to seminary here. We heard there were a thousand kids in our county that needed a, a kids who, who were not in their home anymore. And so hearing that statistic, knowing the gospel, the question was, what can we do about it? And for us, really, the need became the call for us. Mm-hmm. And we became foster parents. Uh, we've adopted two uh, little guys uh, through foster care. We have one biological girl. And so over the last eight years have been involved in some capacity uh, in foster care, whether now we mentor f- current foster parents. You mentor foster who are going to become foster parents? So the or? state has a program set up when a new foster parent uh, goes through training, they get matched with a mentor to help them navigate through this overwhelming system. Yeah, because it's it is a it's a tricky deal. Absolutely. So um, give us the order of uh, how did you did you foster um, uh, and then adopt and then biological? How did, how did all sure. that work? So our first foster placement came in March of twenty um, of twenty eleven. And then 11 weeks later, our bi- biological daughter was born. So we went nice. from zero to two in 11 weeks. Yeah. Had no clue what we're doing. Still are trying to figure it out. Um, and then several years later, we, we um, had a couple placements that came to our home, ended up going back to their family. But then our, our youngest child, John Mark, came in in uh, June of 2015, and we adopted him the next year. So, so you fostered him for about how long? Our oldest, we fostered for three and a half years. Three and a half years. Three and a half years it took. So you had no idea that you were going to be able to, I yeah. mean, there was a chance that that you're, you're going to get. Yeah, he get, was in limbo for, uh, for about two years. It was touch or go what was going to happen. The last year and a half during the appeal process, we had a pretty good idea he was going to, to, to be ours. And then our youngest was, a, was pretty quick. It was actually about 15 to 18 months before his case was uh, before he was adopted. So, so you had him, and then uh, you're fostering him. Still limbo. I mean, yeah, it's still limbo. I mean, you don't know really until the the parental rights are terminated and the adoption process is finalized. I'll remember this when we. I remember Jacqueline and I. I was going for a job interview out of the state. We flew on different planes because if that plane went down, he's not ours. He doesn't belong to my family. He still belongs to the state until he's adopted. So you are living in a sense of limbo of that you're just caretaking. You don't, he, you have no rights to this child until he is fully adopted. Wow. Wow. Um, Blaine, tell us your story. You, you, um, you fostered for a while? Yeah, just for a short time. So we, um, I, we talked about it early on in our marriage. Uh, so my wife Kelly and I have been married for 15 years. Yeah, you, she said you uh, you mentioned adoption yeah. like on your first date. Yeah, I think I was trying to be really spiritual. Or wow, something. And, uh, you weren't being spiritual. You're uh, trying to be smooth. Yeah, yeah. I know spiritual about it. I, I had no no game whatsoever. So, and she will admit that too. Uh, so yeah, she she says that on our first date. I don't remember this at all, but her memory is way better than mine, so I trust it. Uh, that that I talked about. Hey, I think I want to adopt someday, 
and uh, don't know how that came up or why that came up, but um, we, we were dating. We got married right out of college, and uh, we were in grad school for a while, and while we were at seminary uh, in Texas, uh, some friends of ours started fostering, and we went over to their house for dinner, uh, met this wonderful little two-year-old girl that they were fostering, and we just wanted to help. And we just said, you know, how, how can we help? Can, what can we do? They had three uh, older daughters and then this two-year-old. So they were like, you know, we were getting to do things with our, our older kids that now with a two-year-old who's a little rambunctious, we can't do. So we were like, well, let us take her off your hands. And they said, well, you've, you've got to be trained. You've got to do some stuff with the state. So we went and became respite providers, uh, which means you can care for a child for a, a couple days overnight for a weekend, uh, really give a foster family a break. And uh, so we did that process. Um, at the time in Texas, you had to become a full-fledged foster parent in order to do respite, which has is, is since changed. It's changed in Kentucky, too. But, um, but that's what we did. So, so, so I mean, r- r- you, I mean when, when you talk respite, you, yeah. You're saying, we, hey, you're dear friends of ours. We'll yeah. watch your little one. Yeah. And that, that child is in the foster system, and we're right. gonna, we'll watch them for a weekend. And so, so just like what Josh was saying, this, this child is in the custody of the state. And the state, as I often describe it, is one of the pickiest parents you've ever met. So you can't just drop the kids off with just anybody. And, you, you know, there's now some laws in Kentucky that allow you to do some babysitting for shorter amounts of time. But if you need to go out of town, if you have a family funeral and you've got to kind of suddenly leave the state for a while and that child has a visit with a bio parent or something happening that they need to stay in the state for, you can't just drop them with your neighbor next door and say, hey, we'll be back in a week. That person has to be cleared and checked and verified and do some some training stuff. So that's kind of what we did was just to help. And, and pretty soon this little girl had her own bedroom in our house and kind of took our heart over a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, she, she went on to, uh, to be adopted by a, a whole different family, and it was all a good situation. Uh, it was really hard at the time for us. But that kind of sparked the root in us that, and this is really big. We kind of started to understand a little bit more how, again, like Josh, just how big the system was, how many kids were in care. Uh, and, and in one sense, and, and how big this is to God. Yeah, yeah. And just, and how, you know, the thing that I had not thought of was just how quickly that love and affection can grow in your heart. I remember our church was singing uh, the David Crowder song, Oh, How He Loves Us at the time. And Mm. I still can't listen to that song without seeing this little girl Mm. because um, I remember going into her room one day. um, I'll try try to tell the story without crying right now. uh, But going into a room after nap one day, and she she had uh, made a mess in her diaper while she was napping and decided to experiment with that and got it all over her (laughs) self and her hair and i'm you know i've never been a parent before never had kids never babysat kids never did anything my wife was gone and i'm like what is going on in Mm -hmm. here and it's on the walls and it's on her it's on her bedding it's in her Mm -hmm. hair and the fear in her eyes at that moment was palpable and she is two and i just picked her up took her to the bath got her clothes off got her a bath got her cleaned up cleaned up the room Never once yelled at her, hurt her, harmed her, which is not what I think in her life any man had ever done for her. And um, just really just was, was powerful. That, that, was a, that was a huge moment yeah. of God really working. So we're going to take a break and come back in these next three segments. We're going to unpack uh, the foster journey for these three men and their families and what that might mean for you as a listener. How can you be involved in the foster care program and and these children. It's not programs, it's people. 
So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Hello and welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. And we are back in our second segment. We're talking today about foster care. And we're talking about uh, three gentlemen who have stepped up and really uh, helped uh, lives not only of, of children but also uh, people around them and being able to bring foster care to the to the surface. And if, if you uh, if you need a uh, a lending institution, we want to thank our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union. They are a fantastic lender, uh, not just a lender. They don't just lend money. They help you with personal checking, business checking, uh, online banking, credit card uh, loans, whatever it is. Ellen and Credit Union, they can take care of you and all your financial needs. Then Vision First Eye Care. They've been taking care of my eyes for decades now and i'm still blind but they help me be less blind uh and i thank them for that and uh, vision first eye care rod rollo and his crew best eye care in the city and they'll take care of you as a person not just your vision so we want to thank ellen and credit union and vision first eye care so you three guys i i i just love your hearts and i love what god is doing in you to have the heart you know, uh, James 1 says, uh, you know, pure religion, the, the, the essence of a relationship with God is to care for the widows and the orphans, for those who are un- undernoticed and overlooked. And uh, you guys have done that. And I just say, way to go. And we need more of you guys, you know. But Blaine, you were, you were sharing kind of your story in the last segment about... Um, your your connection with fostering help you know helping in a respite and then god was capturing your heart yeah so i mean that just kind of started us i mean it really from that point started just kind of taking over our lives completely my my wife kelly became a caseworker for a foster care agency did that for several years um i actually a little bit later on uh started working uh, for a different agency uh recruiting churches to get more involved and kind of going to pastors and sitting down at, at lunch and coffee shops and just saying you know, Pastor, we really we appreciate your checks. We need some people now uh, in order to do this thing. And so it really kind of took over our lives. And in the midst of that, we, we decided we were ready to start a family. Um, and we looked towards adoption. And for us, it was just we decided to go with a domestic private adoption, uh, which is kind of getting usually matched with a birth mom. And that's what our process looked like. We wanted to know our, our son's birth mom and kind of stay connected to her, be able to love on her and support her. And uh, where we were living in Texas at the time, that really wasn't possible through foster care. So that's why we went that route. And um, so Caleb, my son Caleb, was born in 2014. And um, he actually, the day we were supposed to meet his birth mom, uh, she went into labor that day. So we didn't get to meet her. And it was a week later before we met her and kind of knew everything was settled and we were really going to get to adopt him. And uh, so even in that situation it's not settled and just Caleb, like and, foster and, care. And, and Caleb was how old so he from birth we brought him home at eight days old wow um, so so he was born we met her four or five days later and then he he came home to our house about three or four days after that after meeting her and uh so he's four now and then when he was six months old uh, we were not supposed to ever be able to get pregnant and we did and so my daughter Emery came around and uh, God has a sense of humor, oh, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're, we're blessed with two and we are, are we're good. That's uh, plenty for us at the moment. But um, it really just it started us just getting more and more involved um, and, and to the point where we we moved back to Louisville, where I'm from, uh, to, to work at a church here and talk more about foster care and adoption. Do, so do you a, do you have uh, still connection with the birth mom? We do, we do. She's still, she's still in Texas, and uh, we talk to her. We we uh, Facetime with her on Caleb's birthday, 
um, and just kind of still stay connected to her and send her pictures. We're Facebook friends. She knows who we are. And, um, you know, after, after the, during the first year, we were sending letters and pictures through our agency and then they were forwarding on to her. And when we met her at his one year, one year birthday, mm. we were like, this is silly. Here's our phone number. Just call us in Texas. Like we just, my wife was tired of putting these packets together. She just wanted to be able to email and just send yeah. photos and, and stay connected. And so she's, uh, she's she's a great, lovely lady, and uh, we we still continue to to pray for her. Her pictures up on her wall. Caleb knows who she is, and um, that's a it's a good thing for him. Wow! Uh, as wow. he grows up, he, he'll never really have questions about who am I and how do I fit in this family because he'll he'll know that's just a part of our story. It's a part of our life journey together. Just like a blended family, just like any kind of family situation. It's just this is our family. It's how our family was made. Wow, that's 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 a cool story. Travis, tell us about uh, you. You've got a whole, you know, I, I was thinking about, I think there's 22 kids hmm. in this room represented. <laughs> you think or you know? I, well, I, yeah, <laughs> my math, math? I, I've struggled with math, you know. 22. But, <laughs> isn't that crazy? It's a tribe. Um, I mean, you got six. Mm-hmm. And Travis, you've got five. five and two and three and six. And, you know, it's a little, it's, it's all good. Yeah. So, uh, so Travis, uh, you and your bride, mm-hmm. t- tell us, uh, you started, you, you've got two? Two adopted. Two adopted, mm-hmm. three biological. How did all that happen? So my wife and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, We have to explain how that happened. Another another that's a whole other show, but all right. Which, which ones? <laughs> right. yeah. So um, my wife and I. We actually went on a couple of mission trips to Haiti, fell in love with the kids in Haiti. We actually got engaged in Haiti um, and just knew. That's a whole story. We can right. do, we can oh, do yeah. a show on that. Sure, sure. But okay, another day. Um, and so we were positive that we were going to adopt from Haiti. Um, that wasn't what the Lord had for us. Um, we're sitting, we were volunteering at Collide or at, at our local church's high school ministry, and we're sitting there. And um, the pastor is sharing a story from Eric Ludi. It's called Depraved Indifference. And it just talked about the heart of God and how, how he chases after his children and how we're called to chase after his children. Um, and then that video was followed up with the stats of all the children in Jefferson County that didn't have a mommy and a daddy at night. Mm. And my wife and I's hearts just... 100 percent did a 180 okay so were you married when you heard we were eight months into our marriage um this is we hear this you hear this yeah and so we're like okay that's what didn't have to talk about it it was just one of those things where the spirit was just crystal clear doesn't happen 100 percent of the time for me (laughs) that's for sure um but for us we left there knowing hey we're supposed to go figure out this adoption thing through the state and so we went enrolled in classes that was in June, um, got approved in October, and in December had our first placement. Um, got a sibling group, brother and sister, and three and four years old, they came in, and the the oldest, Tristan, was a little boy. He came in and said, I need a mommy and a daddy. We need two beds, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm like, all right, well, those are things you're not supposed to be worrying about. But here's that, the toy room. Here's where your toys are, right? But that that's when where you he brought was him in. On. That's when what he you said. Br- oh my goodness! Yeah. So it just bro- breaks your heart. Um, we were the fifth home they had been in in six months, um, and so we take them in. Um, really have zero contact with the parents. They they were incarcerated. Um, 
the plan gets changed to adoption. We're moving towards adoption. They're calling. We we say, hey, this is what a mommy and a daddy are, and so they start calling us mommy and daddy because our plan starts changing towards adoption. Um, and then dad gets out of prison, and the state does a 180, which I understand, right? I understand wanting to place kids with their their birth families, and we advocate for that. Um, we were in a place where. To me, I thought I knew what was right. I thought I knew what they needed. And everything that was happening seemed as if it, were, it wasn't the right thing for these children. Um, but the Lord has his way of moving. And so I'm, everything up to that point in my life, I had control over, right? So my dependence on the Lord up till that point was when I needed something. And so I needed something at this, at this point in my life more than I'd ever needed anything. And all of a sudden, I can't do anything about my situation. The state's in control, and I have no control. And so I have to literally, like we started this show, with my wife, be on my hands and knees, desperate for the Lord. And never until that moment had I had to be like that, um, which was valuable. So that That's a good place to be. For sure. But it's a hard, hard place. place to it's be. a hard place. Hard place to be. And I think when Jesus says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. That's that's when we recognize that we're bankrupt, mm-hmm. that apart from Him, and that we we need Him so much. So so, what happens? So, quick story: the the dad ends up getting the kiddos back. He calls me and says, "Hey, the state just told called me and said that I'm I'm getting my rights reinstated. Um, the kids are coming home with me tomorrow." And and when they they 365 of us having them they're going home right and so i said hey man do you mind if before they go we have our community our family everybody around them and we can have like a going away party kind of thing and he's like sure man yeah i was like so they can stay the night and do this deal and then i hang up the phone and the spirit is just inside of me saying that man needs to be there you need to have him in this circle with your family i'm like lord that's not what i want to do i don't want that's the last person i want here and so i call him like hey man would love to have you here and pray over you um, and so we have him there. And this is when it clicked. We have him sitting on a bench in the middle of our living room. Our community, our friends, and our family are surrounding him. And he's sitting there. And we're praying over him, laying hands on him, praying for him. Because he's standing up. He's throwing his hand in the air and saying, I'm willing to draw a line in the sand and take care of my kids. Right? Mm. Which is a valuable, powerful thing. He grew up in the foster system. I didn't know that at the time. Right? Wow. And so this is just a... this. Cycle. generational sin yeah just generational thing and so my my grandma lays hands on him and i'm telling you there's not a dry eye in the place and i and, and right then i was like all right lord whatever it is that you have for me and my family i'm going to pursue it i'm not going to be a passive man I'll, I'll pursue it because i think that's where we get stuck is we just we're like yeah we have great intentions of doing these things for the lord but we become passive yeah. and they never happen yeah so we need to take a break, but I want to. I want to come back in the next segment, and I want to just talk a little bit about your emotions and uh, kind of the rest of your story. Sure. So we'll come back in the next segment, hear more about Travis's story, hear about Blaine and Josh's story, and also hear how you are part of this story. Every person who is listening to this right now has a role to play in some capacity for for the unwanted unwanted quote unquote children in the world. Uh, whether you are praying for people, whether you are supporting them financially, just coming alongside and helping them and dropping a meal off, whatever it is, God has a plan for you in this foster story. So we're going to talk more about that in the next couple segments on Solid Steps Radio.
Welcome back to our third segment today of Solid Steps Radio. If you're just joining us, that's your loss. But hey, you may be able to uh, catch the rest of the show if you want to hear it in entirety. You can go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, and you can hear all of our shows in their entirety without commercials, thanks to our great sponsors like Frank Enterprises. If you have any septic issues or you've got water drainage issues that is not going where it's supposed to go, Frank Enterprises helps take care of your those needs and those capacities. And also Bright Star Home Care, if you know someone, a loved one, who is going to need some, some care, whether they need to be stopped by and visited once a week or they need 24-7 care for the rest of their life. Bright Star Home Care helps people walk through that journey of, of care for your loved ones who are in need. And also, uh, we just want to thank them for sponsoring the show. But again, if you want to hear all of our uh, this show in its entirety, you can go to those places. We post this show, if you're hearing it on the weekend, we post all of our shows on our Facebook page on a Monday. Uh, again, you can hear iTunes, SoundCloud. Go to those places, you'll be able to hear them in um, commercial-free. Okay, so Travis... Uh, I mean, the, the, the birth father, mm-hmm. uh, he comes to get the kids, and, and you're all crying. You're, you're saying goodbye to these kids. You've had them how long? 365, a year to uh, the day. Uh, a year, yeah. and now you've got to say goodbye to them. Right. And so the dad takes them. Right. A year later, he's back in prison. Yeah. So backing up just a little bit, um, the Lord's timing is something that I always try to, try to shine a light on. Um, my wife got pregnant nine months before this whole <laughs> kids were taken thing. And so six days before they're gone, our Judah is born. <laughs> and so the Lord's timing is just, my wife has, has her first biological child that she's learning to love. Everything that we had had to this point has been poured into these two kids and now they're being ripped out of our home. And, and so our hearts are broken, but the Lord's timing is restoring our hearts mm. at the same time. Giving you one of your own. For sure. So it was, um, it was a sweet but very, very painful time, but we're, we're learning that the Lord's plans are not our plans mm. and His ways are not ours in a very, very painful, real way. Um, so a year later, um, I, I just find this out. Two years later, he had him for two years. He's back in prison, but the mom, the biological mom, um, has these two kiddos and has got out of prison, was uh, accepted Jesus in a prison ministry, and is doing everything she can to raise them to know Jesus, which Mm -hmm. is, praise God, like created peace in our hearts that we didn't realize was missing, right? Um, when we heard that. God's a redeeming God. He, he absolutely he, is. He constantly is redeeming. Yes, absolutely. So, so then uh, fast forward now, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, because then there's more kids coming. You, right. you, you had Judah, mm-hmm. and uh, but you got four more. Right. How, yeah. how did all that happen? Well, the, <laughs> that's a story for another day, I think. Um, so we had, we took, we closed our home for a little bit just to heal and, yes. and, and gather our our hearts back a little bit. Um, and so nine months later, we open our home back up and immediately get these, um, actually that's not true. My wife is so much better at this than I am <laughs> at the time frame of all this. I should have, anyway, we had a couple placements in between um, that went back to their, their families or grandparents. And then we got Jordan and Harlan and they were 13 months and three at the time. And so Harlan, here comes Harlan. This is the fifth home, his fifth home in six months, just like Mm. Tristan and Taya. Um, And here comes Harlan. He's 13 months old. He's got one of those monster bottles and bald as can be, just like you. And he's got got a big old bottle of Sprite, and he's just crushing it. 
Um, and I'm like, all and right. He's well, and he's how old? He's 13 months 13 old. 13 years yeah. old, and he's, he's pounding yeah. Sprite. Yeah. Out of a bottle. <laughs> but anyway, um, so our hearts at this point are super broken still and guarded. Um, mm. And I think that we are still learning how to open our hearts to love these little boys the way that they deserve, if mm. I'm 100% transparent. Yeah. Um, because it's hard, because there's something in our spirit that's like something's gonna happen that's gonna take these kids away, and we have to protect ourselves. Yes. Um, but that's not the case. We got to adopt them two and a half years after they came into our home, um, which is just always an interesting story. Um, but there are so many opportunities along that road as a Christ follower to to love on the people that I mean, there's social workers, there are people doing this thing um, that don't see any hope in what they do all day. It's mm-hmm. very bleak. I mean, there's a lot of negative. Um, and so for us to come alongside them and encourage them and just have them into our home and not treat them like they're our enemy, right, Yeah, um, is a big deal. Loving people, sharing Jesus. I mean, the whole thing is the gospel. Um, but it's, a, it's still painful. It's not easy. Um, but I would say for us, the biggest takeaway has been just how rewarding it has been for my wife and I to see the Lord move when, um, it just uh, just in the ugly and the broken, mm. where you don't expect good stuff to come, like there's there's beautiful things that come of it, and you just don't expect it. Well, I mean, again, I mean, what you're describing is, I mean, it's the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross is the the brutal instrument of death, and yet it's it's the cross that gives us life. And I think that's really what foster care is about. It's about a humble obedience where we're saying, God, I'm choosing to go this path to lay down what I want, to lay down some of my sense of control or peace, to lay down my sense of uh, sense of security or to predict the future. I'm, I'm laying that down because here are kids who are hurting. And I've, you know, parents will say, oh, I don't think I could ever be a foster parent because I don't think my heart could handle it. Mm. Well, uh, your heart can heal. You're an adult. You can go see a counselor. You can surround yourself with me. What about these kids? Yeah. I mean, their hearts are breaking, whether or not your heart's going to break or not. Mm-hmm. And there's at some point that the gospel does not make sense. There's some point that the gospel is reckless. There's some point that the gospel is crazy. And to jump into foster care at some level is crazy. It, there's, it doesn't make rational sense. It doesn't fit my American dream plan. Mm. But God uses this because this is who our God is. Yeah, uh, and Josh, you mentioned um, for yours, your, your two. Yeah, um, that the, they've got uh, rocks in their garden. I call it rocks in their emotional garden. Now they came. One came when he was eighteen months old, but still, the level of attachment, neglect, witnessing domestic violence, mm-hmm. these experiences that happen that he probably can't articulate today, but still is very much in his subconscious continues to impact him to this day. I mean, when we say 400 and some children in foster care, like those, those experiences will remain with them as they become parents, as they become grandparents, as they're making life decision. It's not just, okay, this happened once, now get over it. You should be better. It's This is really impacting them for the rest of their life, and they need a life-giving Christ-centered community around them. Yeah, I mean, they, they have, many of them have experienced unbelievable trauma and at a young age and and it's not just like well okay hey you're going to be healed immediately i mean but god uses uh, what i'm hearing from you guys god is using you as as a healing balm mm-hmm. uh, in in your 
adopted kids' lives and, and when, when you were fostering. I mean, God was using you and is using you right now. Yes. So, I mean, and Satan, Josh, that's a good point. Satan, Satan is going to always try to give us uh, excuses for not jumping into it. I mean, I come from a broken home. My wife comes from a broken home. If we were to have looked at that, it, it makes zero sense for us to say, oh, yeah, hey, sign us up to fix that. You know, it's not – That's and my goals were more centered on being a comfortable American, if I'm honest, right, to pursue this, pursue that, attain this. Um, that This didn't – this doesn't align well with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, no, I think it's, the, it's the opposite of that, I yeah. mean, in many ways. I mean, it goes back to the, the verse you quoted earlier, I mean, that uh, James one twenty seven that religion that's pure and undefiled uh, before God the Father is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The interesting thing is that the and is not there. So it's to care for the widows and orphans who are in distress to keep oneself unstained from the world. If we want to live a life that keeps us unstained from being consumed by the things of this world, it's to go and embrace the vulnerable, the lost, the lonely. Those are the people that Jesus went after. I mean, you look at Jesus' life and he recognizes the unnoticed. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this beforehand. Yeah, share that with our listeners, Blaine. This verse, uh, you know, it's come up a couple times and some different pastors have mentioned this verse of uh, Jesus in in Luke 8, the woman with the issue of blood. And that this crowds are around him and Jesus stops and says, someone's touched me. The power has gone out of me. And it says the woman seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed. She stands up and says, it was me. I did it. And Jesus responds to her and calls her daughter. He addresses her as daughter. And so for me, I mean, that, that just, man, that hit me this morning. I was listening to that again. And, and it's just this reality that like the way to go from being the unnoticed the vulnerable and on the edge is to become part of the family of God, to become part of a family unit, which is what these kids need, but then to become part of the family of God on top of that and go, I can't be unnoticed anywhere because Jesus notices me. God notices me. God knows who I am. Uh, and that's the thing that for most of these kids has never been pointed out to them, never been observed for them. And, uh, and it's the thing that, that we as Christians bring to the table um, that yes, yes, they need a family. They need a mom and a dad, just like Travis was saying, you know, earlier. Like they, these kids want um, a mom and a dad and a bed and a couple meals to be provided for, but that's not really what they need. Like what they need is love and affection and support and grace and mercy and hope and all the things that the Christian life can provide. That's what they need. That's that's the true true thing that they need. And, and God and, and God says, I want to use you. And it's not just you three guys. Yeah. It's it's Chad, it's me, it's all of us. And we're gonna we're gonna continue to talk about that in this next segment. So our next fourth and final segment, we're gonna talk more about maybe ask some questions about foster care. What are some fears that people have? What are some problems they run up against? If these guys have all been through one side of it, if they could talk to themselves before they went in, what would they tell themselves? What would someone need to know about going into this? And what are some other options for someone if they say, hey, I don't know if I'm ready for that. What can they do to help be part of the solution and not part of the problem? So we're going to take a break, come back in our fourth and final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and unfortunately final segment of Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank you for listening. If you are just tuning in, you missed out on three great segments. Go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, or furtherstoneministries.org to hear this show. We're going to put it as a podcast on a Monday, depending on when you hear it. 
and it's there for you to listen to anytime you want. We want to thank our great sponsors, Dan Hart Financial. If you want to get your finances in the right direction and all the money that you have had or no money that you have and you want to figure out how to make more, <laughs> uh, go to Dan Hart Financial. He'll take, help take care of you. And also, again, once again, we want to thank Ellen and Credit Union, uh, local lender, who's also been a sponsor of our show from for a very long time now. So, Chad, in the break, I mean, we're, we're, we are... We are having a very awesome discussion. I wish our listeners could just hear all this in this last Which segment. you can, by the way. Go to our Facebook page. We yes. have a video of the show, and you can listen to it, and it's in the in-between stuff. Well, so. yeah, well said. Because, okay, so, Travis, why, I mean, why people, why don't people want to get involved in this whole fostering? Uh, I, I, it, it, it's tough. Sure. But from your perspective. I think um, you hear a lot of negative stories. Um, of kids being removed from homes where parents learn to love these children. They come into a home and they are removed, right? And people don't want to be subjected to that. Um, and Josh was saying, well, uh, those kids are already subjected to that. Like, who are we to say that we're not going to let the Lord use us to whatever, fill in the blank? Um, I think selfishness a lot of times gets in the way. I know for me, that keeps me from experience in the Lord a lot of times um, is my own selfishness. Um, and I just, I think fear, fear is a big, fear is a big one for sure. Um, Blaine, talk, talk to our listeners about, um, piggyback on what Travis said and, and then, you know, give a sales pitch, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I think the thing that I hear most often is like, ah, I don't think I could do that. I could never let a kid go. And I think that there are things that we do in life all the time that are short term with kids. Mm. Like if you're a teacher, you only have a kid for nine months and you pour everything into that kid. You'll probably never see them again. You don't not pour into that kid just because you had him for nine months. Yeah, and, and, that, and that kid probably will go for the you know yes. remembering that remembering teacher. that teacher that impact. I mean, you can have an impact. There's 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 research out there that six months of a meaningful of a relationship with a meaningful adult, even if a kid goes back to a bad situation, can change a kid's life forever because it teaches them how to have relationships, how to develop love and empathy, and all those kinds of things. It's it's really powerful for a kid. So so even if it's a short term moment even if it is this kid's going to come and it's going to leave you can still have an amazing impact on a kid's trajectory in life going forward the other thing we were talking about in the break that i think too is a lot of times people uh, opt themselves out that oh well we've had kids and we're, we're way past this and we're empty nesters now and life is comfortable like how, how can i help can i can I, can I write a check? Is there some place I can do that? And it's, it's no, you're so valuable. You have parenting experience. You're of great value to, to us. When I was working in foster care, the two families we wanted the most were, were, were couples that came to us and individuals that came to us with no kids because we could teach them all the parenting skills they needed for these kind of kids. Mm-hmm. And couples that came to us that had kids who were teenagers about to be out of the home Absolutely. because they, they're not afraid of teens. They know some of the teen <laughs> stuff. Well, they might still be afraid of teens, but <laughs> they know some of the teen stuff that's going on in the world, and they're they're equipped to handle those things. So, so you know, again, we'll talk in a minute about some other things you can do, but don't don't opt yourself out without really prayerfully considering: Is God really moving on this in my heart? Is is this really something God's tugging at me at? You and, you said, yeah. and 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 I think God is calling many of us and many of our listeners to step forward. But you also made a comment in between the break. That it's not for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think it is for everyone, and I think you do have to be called to it. I think if you get into this, and, and I say all the time, like, this is hard. Sometimes God just calls us to hard things. 
but this may not be what God's calling you to. I mean, God may be calling you to other parts, and there are lots of things. There are lots of great programs out there that do mentoring and life coaching that where you can kind of pair up with a kid in one hour a week, kind of be this, this again, this adult that has a meaningful relationship in a kid's life can be really powerful for a kid. There are tons of organizations around our community that do clothing and resource closets for foster parents that you can donate to and help go in and, and clean up and organize stuff. And there's, there's lots of different ways that you can be involved in, in this, in the system and in, and in pieces of how do you support just finding that family in your church that is fostering, that is adopting and saying what we've talked about before, how can I babysit for you? How can I become a respite for you? Um, going to them, they so often feel a tendency. Foster parents most often feel this sense that we decided to do this. So when it gets hard, we can't tell anybody it's hard because we pick Mm -hmm. this for ourselves and we can't admit that it's too hard. We can't admit that God's not in it with us and no one's going to ask them, Hey, uh, I know you just said you were fine. Are you really fine? What can we really do to help? And that's kind of, I mean, that's from our story. That's what we did was we saw this family and we said, Mm. we can tell we can help. Like, what can we, what can we really do? And it was, it was a burden on us. Like we had to go get training. We had to go do some stuff to do that. But man, that was powerful for that family. It was really supportive for them. That's good stuff. Josh, talk to us about, um, I just lost my train of thought. Something, um, Foster, you mentioned, you made a comment before the show started about the foster care workers just oh, really yeah. just hit on that for yeah a the donuts and the donut thing yeah well i think uh with the opioid crisis we're finding that more and more and more and more and more kids are running the foster care system but social workers are really struggling the turnover rate with the state is through the roof they feel underappreciated undervalued we've had the chance to just step in and to bring them coffee and donuts there are seven neighborhood places around the city that have 10 to 15 social workers there we bring them coffee and donuts twice a year. If somebody adopted them for a month and brought them in, we've had more favor and are making a bigger impact through just simply saying thank you. So there's a real opportunity to support those people, our frontline workers in our community who are very much undervalued and appreciated. You know, um, the, the, the government, I think, at least in our local and state government, is, and, and I think it's, this is happening in pockets around the country as well, they recognize that they need the faith community to partner. And and I'm seeing that in the prison system and the the Department of Corrections. And this is opportunity for the church to step up. Yeah, to say, they're not our adversary. They're not our foe. Mm -hmm. We can come alongside the state and say, we're here to help take care of children. Now, we're coming at it because we believe Jesus compels us to do that. But we want to support the workers. We want to support the kids. We want to support the birth families. Our hope is that kids aren't removed from their birth families. And so we need to come alongside and support them systemically. But I do think there's an open door by which uh, the state maybe feels not as threatened. And maybe the church doesn't have as much of a, oh, the state's something that's bad and evil. We need to do our own thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I framed it up for folks before to go back to just gospel-centered is, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan is this story we talk about all the time, and often we put ourselves in the position of the Good Samaritan. But really, like as I look at the foster care system, the Good Samaritan is the social worker. They're the one that stops along the side of the road and picks this kid up who's been beaten and bruised, uh, not of their own accord. Somebody's abused them in some way. And they pick this kid up, and they need a place to go. They need an innkeeper. 
And, uh, you know, I always, as I read this story, I figure this Good Samaritan didn't just go anywhere. He knew exactly where he was going. He picked an innkeeper mm. that he knew and trusted and believed in. And so there's some steps that it takes, requires to be that trusted innkeeper, but that's where the social worker needs to go. And we want them to believe that that's a family in a local church, that that's, this, that's this, a trusted innkeeper. Yes, this so. is the opportunity of a, I mean, this is a golden opportunity yeah. for us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. This is golden opportunity for all of us. So uh, I've said something in the last segment. Let me ask you guys. If somebody was thinking about doing foster care, they're a little bit nervous about it, or if you were talking to your old self, and maybe two different questions, but either way, pick one. What would you say to that person who's thinking about doing foster of things they're afraid about, things they're concerned about, and they need to know from your experience? I would say jump in. I, I think that if um, the spirit's tugging on your heart to do it, you have to jump in because if you overanalyze it, you're gonna try to you're gonna start talking yourself out of it. Um, you just need to trust that the Lord is gonna be with you and jump in. Eugene Peterson had a book called "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction," yeah. and I think that's what it is. I mean, it, it's just a long obedience day after day in the same direction. You know what you guys are talking about was what Jesus said: "Do not store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven." where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven. That's what you guys are describing. Um, but if you, you think about your most prized possessions on this earth, I mean, your kids, yes. your family. Yes. So honestly, a lot of times we get that backwards. You know, We do. Blaine, what about you? Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of misnomers, too, that people just go, oh, there's a cost to this. Doesn't cost become a foster parent. There's no cost to this. Hmm. Um, a lot of people think adoption's too expensive. Not in foster care. They'll actually pay you to take a kid in. Um, I think that there there are just, uh, there's a lot of hesitations uh, that we, we worry about ourselves, we worry about our kids, we worry about our comfort. Um, but there's there's a lot of training, there's a lot of process to this. So even if it's just on your heart, just, just get started. It's going to take a while. Hmm. So I've had a lot of families who are like, well, we don't want to start until we're exactly precisely ready. It's going to take a long time. Like there's a lot of lag time right now in the system for getting the training done and getting the getting the home study done. So go ahead, man, jump in and see where it goes. Wow, that's good stuff, guys. Uh, our time is up. Thanks a ton for coming in. Thanks for sharing your heart. Really appreciate it, Blaine. Would you would you pray for us, guys, that we would step up to the plate, be proactive. God, I just pray right now that you would just move in the hearts of the, the men and women that are listening to this, uh, this podcast, this radio show, just however it's getting into their ears. Lord, I pray right now that that sense of, of passivity, that sense of pushing off, looking to the person in the pew next to them, in the seat next to them, this message is for you and not for me, that that wouldn't be the case, that this message would be for everyone that's listening, that there's no possibility that we can be indifferent, that if pure religion is to love, those and embrace those who are the vulnerable and the broken that we would go after them wholeheartedly in jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen. so we thank you for listening and uh, there's two words that came up comfort and indifferent and uh, those are two words you cannot uh, explain describe jesus by <laughs> uh, and so we are called to be not comfortable now, that doesn't mean you cannot have a nice comfortable bed and you can't have time to relax but at the end of your life, you said, boy, I lived a comfortable life. That's a fear of mine. And so I pray that we will not be comfortable and indifferent people. And we pray that you are bothered by what you heard today and you do something about it. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.